Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. All right, welcome to the Grove. Glad to be here this morning. If it's your first time, you're in luck. Mine too. Um, I've been to the Grove several times, but I just realized kind of this week that I was, when I was preparing that this is actually my first time on a Sunday morning. I've never made it. As you guys know, when you're a part of a smaller church, uh, you're kind of needed at your church every Sunday. There's different things to do. I actually got scheduled for some serving opportunities today uh, at River Park earlier, and I had to decline because I told them I would be busy. Um, it's nice to see you guys. If uh, you're a regular tender, great, glad to see you. Um, I, won't hold, uh, I won't hold that against you, that, uh, that you came even knowing that I was preaching. A little background on me as Christian helped to mention, um, I'm here with my wife, Tanya. Um, we've been married for almost 15 years, coming up in September. Um, the, we have the privilege of attending uh, at the sister church, which is River Park. We have six kids, ages 13 to 5. Starting at the top and going down, they are Javin, Aaron, Tyrus, Elsie, Jackson, and Kingston, or KJ. Just He's in charge, so whichever he tells you to call him at that particular moment, just go with that. Um, we moved here, and uh, I'm from the central Missouri area originally. We moved here in, to Kansas City in 2012. Um, to attend seminary at Midwestern. Uh, Christian mentioned that uh, I work in construction professionally. I'm a project manager for a small home builder. We build from Parkville to Liberty, 10 to 20 homes um, a year. Um, I'm also an avid sports fan. So if you wanna talk sports, I'm your guy. Um, Except for cricket, I don't know that much. I'd still talk to you about it, but I just don't know that much about it. So maybe you could help me out on that. Um, If we haven't connected, I see some familiar faces, but if we haven't connected, I would love to talk to you after after the service. I can't stay too long. Tanya will be ready to leave, but I would stay here literally all day, the rest of the day, just to talk to you guys. It's uh, my privilege to be invited to preach this morning. I want to thank Christian for the opportunity. Um, In this series, the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, I know that Kyle and Christian have uh, kicked off kicked off the series here for some clarifying statements on things that the Bible does not say. Um, I would like to thank them for giving me the passage that the Bible literally does say. Thank you, Christian. Um, But we'll go into why it still applies for the Bible doesn't say that. Every week we're going through a different topic with with that common theme of things that the Bible does not say. We're going to be clarifying these beliefs that have snuck their way into the modern church. They've snuck their way uh, there, but we're going to reveal them through the truth of the scripture. You guys are probably uh, very familiar with our topic. You've probably heard it quoted. You've probably heard it quoted from people who don't, have never gone to church, don't believe in God. They've probably told you, the Bible says, do not judge or don't judge one or the other. So it's not, uh, you probably see it on social media, you probably 
see it. If, you, if you've been around very long, you've been told that the Bible says that. Most people won't know where that's quoted, but we'll get into that uh, as we go further. As we begin, I ask you to join me in prayer. God, I thank you for the opportunity. Lord, I just thank you for the privilege to preach your word this morning. I thank you for the grove and the work that's being done uh, in Gladstone here. I just pray that you would be with me. God, use me as a vessel to prevent your to present your message this morning. Pray that you would help us, that you would prepare me, that you would prepare the ears and the audience just to hear and to receive your word, God. I pray that we would come, come out of this morning just with a better understanding of what, of what you taught and of what the Bible says. Pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, as with all the topics in this series, there's always just a bit of truth. And most misconceptions have just a bit of truth to make those, it makes them seem believable. You know, offhand stuff, just, it doesn't seem believable. Crazy statements, they may shock people, but but they're not believable. There's a bit of truth to all of these. And do not judge is certainly found in the Bible. Whether they know it or not, where it's quoted, it's in Matthew 7, verse 1. And we're going to look at this popular verse right now. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. There it is. It's right there. Like I said, they gave me the passage that literally is in the Bible. (laughs) Do not judge. So I started there. I was like, man, it says it. So there's that bit of truth, but the misunderstanding here with this verse is that it's taken completely out of concept, out of context. Much like as parents, we may say statements to our children, and then we'll clarify that statement. We'll say a statement, then we'll clarify it, and later on we'll realize that they missed the clarification. It may just be my children. Maybe you got, your guys' children don't have that. Um, I won't get into, I have examples, I won't get any, into any right now, but we can, we can talk afterwards, swap stories. Um, so this reminds me of something that an older man told me many years ago. He said the statement, we were at church, and he told me the statement, never read a single Bible verse. Okay, that took me, I was probably 17, maybe, maybe 18. That took me a little uh, by surprise the first time I heard it, but soon I appreciated the profoundness of that statement that he said. It's really about the emphasis. Never read a single Bible verse. Serves as a reminder to understand the context surrounding the verse so that we don't take a verse to mean something that it doesn't mean within the greater context. There's verses before Matthew 7.1 and there's verses after Matthew 7.1. And they're all important to understanding that when, when we can flash that on the screen and say, do, do not judge, that that's not Jesus' teaching there. This comes in uh, Jesus' most well-known sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, where he's discussing um, and giving examples for Christians to talk to them about how to, how to live their lives. General teachings, specific teachings about what to do. But Jesus is teaching before and after the verse. And then to see his actual teaching, we're going to need to look a little further. 
So we're going to look to actually Matthew 7, 1 through 6, which for context, um, sorry, I already went through that. We're going to, we'll, if they'll put that on the screen, we'll read that together now. All right, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. When we put this in context, we see that the rest of Jesus' teaching clearly shows us that we are, in fact, called to judge one another, but it does much more than that. It also instructs us in the ways that we are to do that. Through this passage, Jesus shows us four lessons about judgment. First, he shows us how we are to judge. Then he tells us when we are to judge, why we are to judge, and who we are to judge. I hear pins clicking. Uh, Christian already reminded you there is notes in, the, in, in your uh, welcome folder that you can follow along with some of this. First off, let's start in verse 2, which tells us how we are to judge. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. We are to judge with love, love for the person, and with the restoration of the person in mind. We're not judging in order to elevate ourselves or to bring someone else down to lower them. I know this is popular in social media, like you, you get this idea, someone says something, and then you, you, man, I've so many times typed out this perfect response, it will put them in their place, right? We see this, we see this all the time, and that's not what Jesus is teaching, because that's not done in love. That's not, that's not pointing out, it's also not effective, it's not going, they're not going to take that and say, you know what, that guy that I don't know, he's right. Gosh, he made such a great point there. It's always, it's always done very nicely online. Not long ago, I was actually on the receiving end of, of some judgment, done in a much better way than that. Um, I had, I had just developed a bad habit, and it was just a block. I just didn't realize that I was doing it. Um, a friend of mine took the time to bring it to my attention. I was thankful that he did it in a very kind way, in love, so that it wasn't so much a confrontation. I think he prepped himself up like this is going to be a big confrontation, and it didn't end up, end up being that. It was just kind of a nudge just to help me to get back, to get away from this habit that I was doing that wasn't bringing glory to Christ. He could have done that in a harsher way, and my response likely would have been different than the way that I responded. If he'd have come at me and with harshness, I, uh, I probably would have responded differently, much as we all would. I was thankful that he handled it the way that he did. 
And when given the opportunity, we should do the same. If you've been around River Park or the Grove for very long, I'm sure you've heard about um, the heart attitudes. And this interaction embodied heart attitude number three, which is to give and receive spiritual correction. From Heber, it comes from Hebrews 3.13. I'd encourage you to look that up later. But it's one of the heart attitudes that both of our churches try to follow. And it's important to be, to be open to that judgment, but also willing to help our brother or sister in Christ to judge them. Okay, now that we've done how we are to judge, Jesus also teaches us when we are to judge. Let's look together at verse 5. It says, You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We should not judge others until we have first confessed, repented, and otherwise dealt with our own sin. After doing that is when we go and we judge. If we judge others with sin prevalent in our own lives, we, we risk many things. First, we risk being a hypocrite, as Jesus says right here in the passage. It's also difficult to judge someone in love towards restoration when you're in need of an even greater restoration. When we're concerned about our own sin and making sure that it's not found out, it's really hard to judge someone. It's really hard to be a, a true sounding board for that person because really we're trying to protect ourselves. We don't want for our sin to come to light. Or if it's a sin that people do know about, that we're unrepentant of, that we're unwilling to correct, then they're not going to receive that well. They're going to say, man... John, look in the mirror. You're a wreck. Like, you got to take care of you. Why am I listening to you? We know this, this, and this about you. That's not going to be well received. We don't. We may be fine being corrected by by people, but not a, not if they're not if they're a train wreck. Okay, that's just naturally for who we are. So that's when we are to judge. Now let's look to why we are to judge. We judge because we sin, because we're all sinners, and we need correction. That can happen through the Scriptures, through, through self-evaluation of the Scriptures. But really, sometimes we, we, we don't view ourselves the same way that we view everyone else. We have a more distorted view of ourselves and our own actions than anyone else's. We can justify things in our own life that we would never justify for others. 2 Samuel 12 has a great example of this. We're not going to flip there. I would encourage you to look at it um, later. But, but King David, who you may have heard of, had sinned. And he was blinded to his sin. Until the prophet Nathan came to him with a story about a stolen sheep. David was a former shepherd before he became king. Man, this example that Nathan used, it made him mad. Before, just after hearing the story, he pronounced judgment right there. That the guilty person Nathan had, had talked about should be brought and judged and put to death and be made to pay fourfold back the stolen sheep. David wasn't expecting what happened next. 
when Nathan looked at himself and he said, you yourself are that man. David was heartbroken over this, but it led to his repentance over his sin and the benefits as David moved through his life. He's a huge character in the story that we're now living out today as Christians. That looks way different if Nathan doesn't follow God and go and bring judgment to David. And if David doesn't then repent. It's for our benefit that we receive judgment. It was for my benefit that my friend came to me and showed me what I was doing that wasn't bringing glory to God. It's for your benefit if a brother or sister comes to you and tells you, hey, you might want to look, you might want to look at this and reflect and evaluate where you're at. It's also our responsibility to do that. Jesus teaches us here that that's what we're to do. That's why we judge. Let's look at verse 3 through 5 to further look at this point. It contains, I mean, it's Jesus, so of course it's great, but I think it's one of the best analogies in the Bible. 3 through 5. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and look, The log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that everyone here has probably had something in their eye at some point or another, whether it be a speck of sawdust, a sibling's finger, a ball that got thrown, whatever the case may be. Working in construction, the majority of of my life makes this analogy very real to me. I don't do as much hands-on work as I once did. I mostly just drive around in in a truck and check on people and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to or that things are happening. But there was a time when I did that. I did everything from framing to roofing, remodeling, everything in between. If it's in construction, I've probably... I've probably done it to some extent. Not all of it well, but I've probably done. I've probably done it. I've hit my thumb with my hammer on countless occasions, even though I'm really good with a hammer. I've shot myself with a nail gun while framing, which is an awesome experience if you have not, if you have not yet tried that. Um, this finger here was almost cut off by my skill saw as it kicked back on me. And all of those things... Man, they hurt. They really hurt. But even with cutting my finger, I just like put something over it, wrapped it up. Probably should have sought further medical attention, but that's not what happened. (laughs) But none of those things are as debilitating as getting something in your eye. I've had stuff in my eyes. I don't know. It seems to happen every few months. And none of those things compares to it. You just cannot do anything once you get in your eye. I could walk out of here and go down the steps, not paying any attention, and sprain my ankle. I'll just fall down. Who knows? First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to hop up. I'm going to look around. I'm going to see if any of you guys saw it, okay? (laughs) 
then I'm going to see if you're laughing, and we may have to, you know, put some of this into practice if you guys are laughing at me. But, I mean, my pride's going to be hurt a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to get up, I'm going to shake it off, I'm going to get in my vehicle, and I'm going to drive home. And I'm going to feel that for several days, and it's not going to be fun. But I'm immediately able to, to go about my business. But if I get something in my eye, I'm not driving myself home right then. I have to deal with that. We have to deal with that. I'm going to be going to the bathroom, try to get some water in it. If I still can't get it, I'm going to use my other eye to look around to try to see who can help me out. I'm going to count on one of you guys to help me out. And I'm going to prefer to take volunteers who don't have something else in their eye. If I see someone walking around like this, I'm not asking that person to help me. They're last on my list. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose every single one of you. I'm going to go to the preschool room and choose one of them to help me rather than someone with something stuck in their eye. It's the blind leading the blind. It would, it would not be good. That's not who you want. We're not supposed to ignore the speck in our brother's eye. That's not what Jesus is teaching. He clearly says it's not. He tells us this here. Sin is painful. It causes damage in the lives of believers all the time. We see it as we see families fall apart through sin, as we see friendships ruined through sin, as we see people fall away from the church. Most of the time at the heart of that is going to be sin. He also makes it clear that we're not able to judge and hold people accountable in the church without first making sure that we're living our lives rightly. We're not to leave the log in our eye. But he also doesn't call us to get the log in our eye and then become an eye inspector. We're not going to walk around to total strangers. And this brings us to who we are to judge, which is the fourth lesson Jesus shows us. Remember that Jesus says that it is a brother that has a speck in his eye, not a stranger. He does not say to remove the log from your eye and then go around checking every person's eye. In verse 6, he goes even further and says, Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Here, Jesus is teaching on the judgment that happens within the church. The two things that Jesus tells us here is that the holy teachings are not appreciated by those outside of the church. Just as a dog will not appreciate any sacred food, any awesome meal that is cooked the way that we would, they're just going to see it as food. They're going to down it, and they're going to be ready for more. The other thing that can happen is some that will go even beyond that, and they'll actually become combative if we attempt to judge them by Christian standards. Pearls are extremely valuable, and a pig has no appreciation for that value at all. Much as someone who doesn't believe that the Bible is true, they have no appreciation. In fact, it's going to make them mad. Those outside of the church um, really are just looking for the, what the world is offering. They're not looking at what we're 
at what we're offering. Because what a pig really wants rather than pearls, they want some spoiled food to eat and roll around in. That's what a pig's looking for. And they're going to get mad if you give them pearls, even though pearls are infinitely, infinitely more valuable. They don't appreciate it. It's not what they want. We don't judge those outside the church with the same Christian standards that we judge those in the church. First, those, inside, those outside the church, they didn't agree to that standard. And actually, in American culture, we should have learned that by getting people to live a higher Christian value without Christ and without repentance and regeneration isn't necessarily a good thing. We may have more moral people walking around if we were successful in that. But without a personal relationship with Jesus, they're just going to show up in eternity with something that doesn't matter, that doesn't help them when the ultimate judgment comes. That isn't to say that we don't call sin, sin. We're still to call and proclaim sin and call people to repentance and salvation through Jesus so that they might begin to follow Christ and his teachings, so that they would appreciate the valuable teachings held within the scriptures. Before we close, I just want to quickly look at 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, and 9 through 13. This is going to be a little lengthy. It's going to be on the screen. Um, But let's look at what, what it looked like in the early church as instructed by the Apostle Paul on judgment. Starts in verse 1 here. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and sexual immorality of such a kind as, as does not exist even among the Gentiles, namely, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has committed this, as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to turn such a person over to Satan for the destruction of his body, so that his spirit may be saved on that day of the Lord. Continuing in verse 9, Paul writes, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not at all mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the greedy and swindlers, or with idolaters. For then you would have to leave the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is a sexually immoral person, or a greedy person, or an idolater, or is verbally abusive, or habitually drunk, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a person. For what business of mine is it to judge outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the evil person from among yourselves. Please note here that Paul had no issue 
at all pointing out the sin that was being reported in the church at Corinth. He wasn't even afraid to pronounce judgment without being there. He just said, I've heard of this, and this is wrong, and if you guys are afraid to judge, I'm not. I'm telling you that is wrong, and that person needs put outside of the church. He also had no issue pointing out sin outside the church, but making the clear distinction between the response to sinful actions by those within and those outside. If you encounter this belief that the Bible tells us not to judge, you can explain to them that not only does it tell us to judge, it instructs us on how to do that. These aren't the only passages, but just in these, just from Jesus' teaching, it shows us how, when, why, and who to judge. At the beginning, Walter mentioned next steps. I'm a firm believer in next steps. If you're here, there's something for you to do. If you came here today with Jesus as your Lord, I would ask for your next step that you look for logs in your own eye. This is an ongoing process. We need to do that today, we need to do that tomorrow, and we need to continually do that. Sin can creep in, and we must be on guard to remove it from our lives. And then if any judgment is necessary through Jesus' teaching, I would encourage you to proceed with love and always do it with the goal of restoring your fellow Christian. But always do it where you see it. This isn't a choice. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. While at the same time, being open to others doing it to you. Don't, when someone comes to judge you, understand that that's a very difficult thing for them. And they're doing that because they love you. They're doing that because they care for you. And it's hard for them. And appreciate that. And receive it well. And consider what they're telling you. If you're here this morning and you find yourself in the other camp and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then your next step is to weigh that cost of, the, of that decision. It's truly a decision that should not be made lightly. Even, I mentioned, I've been married for almost 15 years and I can unequivocally say that beginning a personal relationship with Jesus is the best and most important decision that I've ever made. If you're interested in making that decision, just have questions about what that looks like. I'd be happy to talk to you after. I know Christian would be happy to talk to you after to answer any questions that, that you may have. The great news is, is that once you make that decision, you don't have to continue life on your own. You get a whole support system of people to help you in living rightly and glorifying God. And that's great. It's great to have community, and it's great to have people that care enough about you to help you to live light, rightly. The band's going to come out up for a song, and I just ask that you would join me in prayer as we close. God, I thank you for this day. 
Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity here that we've had. I just pray that that these words, that you would strip away everything and just help people to receive your teachings, God. Help them to, if they're feeling, uh, if they're feeling, feeling movement, God, that they would, that they would answer that, that we would be open, open to your moving spirit right now. Pray that you would be with us as we continue to worship. God, I just pray that you would help us throughout our day moving forward. Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.